chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. If you come on Wednesday nights, we're studying a little bit of Revelation. As a matter of fact, we're taking a different truth out of each chapter each week. We just started last Wednesday. Had a big crowd Wednesday night, too. And we'd love to have you for that. But we're having a good time with that. Of course, we've got our kids program in the back building. We got, we've been having record crowds back there also. And so that's been a blessing. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5. We've got visiting preachers coming tonight and next week. And we've got a guy come and give his testimony and preach tonight. It's going to be really good. You don't want to miss that. And then next Sunday night, Brother Andrew McKay will be with us. And we're going to have a soup and chili and all that sort of thing. We've got a lot happening around here. And you know, the first Sunday, I don't normally even do any announcements, but I just feel like I'm going to today. But the first Sunday in November is the 6th. That morning, we're having Veterans Day service. It's the sun, you know, Veterans Day in between the two Sundays. We're going to do it that morning. And we're going to honor every veteran that comes. We're going to have a big, make a big deal out of that because it is a big deal. And if you know somebody that's a veteran that served in any branch of our military, and even if they don't go to church here, we'd like to have them that day and tell them to come because we're going to honor them. We're going to give them some things, and we're just going to make a big day about it. And then that night will be our annual stewardship banquet on Sunday night. We'll have our service in the back building. And we're going to have a big Thanksgiving meal. It's just wonderful. And so you don't want to miss any of that. And so just, we've got a lot coming up. We don't want to miss all this stuff. It's been good. And the Lord's really blessing. All right, if you'll stand with me if you're able this morning. We're in Revelation chapter number 5. Let's all stand together. Revelation chapter 5. Y'all got my memo, didn't you? Good boys. All right, Revelation 5. And in Revelation chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him... That sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Now, I'm not going to preach on that person that's worthy in that fashion today, but that's probably coming soon. When it says who's worthy, who's deserving to do it, is what he's saying. I can only think of one person. I don't know about you. <laughs> Verse 3, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. People say, well, there's no crying in heaven. Well, John's crying, but there's no crying in eternity in heaven. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold the line of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And of course, then what took place is a big-time worship service. And any time the Lord's in the midst of us, that's what ought to happen. There ought to worship ought to break out. One time I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. We come to church, a worship ought to break out. Amen. That's just the way it's supposed to be. But notice, I want you to pay special attention. They were looking for somebody to open this book. And who could open it? And there was only one person. It says in verse 5, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, don't cry, he said. Behold, 
the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, if a person prevails, that means they overcome something. And to prevail means to gain victory and superiority. And let me just say this morning, there's only one person that's superior to anybody else. It don't have nothing to do with how old you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It makes no difference if you're a man or a woman. The only person that's better than anybody else in this building is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's it. He is the one that's better. He's greater. And I've read in the Bible many times through Scripture. I read one time in 2 Chronicles where the children of Israel prevailed. That's a good thing if you're in a battle. I read where David prevailed in 1 Samuel 17 verse 50 against Goliath. That was a big day to overcome something such, so great. I've read in the Bible where all kinds of things prevail. I read one time in Acts 19 and verse 20 where it says God's word prevailed. God's word overcame some things. I'm thankful for that. But when I read over here in Revelation 5 and verse 5, I read the line of the tribe of Judah. He's the one that prevailed. That's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to preach on how he prevailed. What happened? How did he gain the victory? What did he gain it over? Let's bow together for prayer. Lord, we thank you for blessing us this morning. We're glad to be here. What a blessing it is for each one that's come out. We just pray that you would watch over each of us, take care of our families, meet our needs. And we're just excited for all the things you're doing at Gethsemane Baptist Church. I pray for your help in the message this morning. Pray for your touch. And Lord, I pray you'd move freely and do something today. Lord, I pray that somebody might be saved. And if there's a lost person, this is their day. And Lord, I pray they'd be saved before they leave this building this morning. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for saving our souls, giving us a home in heaven. Thank you, Father, for taking care of us, meeting our needs. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you very much for standing. I like this. They were looking for somebody that might prevail. And they found them. There was one man that prevailed in Scripture. And that one man was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then the next verse says he wasn't even a lion. He was a lamb, which was kind of interesting. So he started out a lion and then he's a lamb. He's called a lion in Scripture, and one day he's coming back, and the Bible says when he comes, he's going to let out a roar. The Bible talks about the Lord, and there's another person that claims to be a lion, and that's the devil. The Bible talks about him, how he's not the real lion, though. He's a fake lion. And the devil goes about, and the Bible says he's seeking whom he may destroy or devour as a roaring lion, the Scripture says. He's not our lion, though. We've got a special lion. But the Lord wasn't just a lion. He was a lamb. And I'm thankful for that. But the most important thing, the moral of the story this morning is, He hath prevailed. The Lord has prevailed. He overcame. He has the victory. He's superior because of what He went through and where He's at now. I'm thankful that I have a Savior that's that way. Let me say this morning, you say, well, what did He overcome? Well, I'll say this. He prevailed through birth. You say, what in the world are you talking about through birth? Do you realize it was a big deal that He was born the way He was born? I mean, that's a big deal. Everything you could think of tried to stop him. They tried to stop him before he was ever even born. Back in Moses' day, they put out a thing, and they knew that the Lord was coming from that place from Israel. Uh, uh, the devil knew it. 
And he used Pharaoh and hardened his heart and he tried to kill every single little boy that was under two years of age. And he wanted to kill them and wipe them out. It wasn't to stop Moses. It was to stop one that was going to come after Moses. And they knew all about, the devil knew all about it. And man, he wanted to get that thing stopped before it ever even happened. You read about him, and you'll read, but when the Lord was born, there was a guy named Herod that was in power. And man, Herod thought he was something else. I mean, he thought he was hot snot, and he was just a cold booger, you know. But anyway, that's how Herod was. No good. He was nothing. And Herod went around, you know, and there he was, and, and, and he said, well, tell me when he's going to come. I want to know where he's going to be. He said, because I want to worship him. Now, he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him is what he wanted to do. And, man, you read about that, and, man, Herod went around. And you know what the Bible says? He started looking, and he started searching for any children under two years of age that he might slaughter them and that he might kill them. What a terrible thing. And I think about Herod and think about how he tried to wipe out the Lord Jesus Christ before he ever really even got started. That's what he tried to do. He tried to destroy our Savior. What he tried to do is he tried to stop his birth is what he tried to do. I mean, I think about the Lord and I think about what he went through. He prevailed through his birth. What a thing that is. He prevailed through his birth. How big of a thing that is. You say, what are you saying? He was virgin born. He had a special birth. His birth was unlike anyone else's. He was one of a kind. He was not like other people. And when I think about the Lord, He didn't have an earthly father. His father was in heaven, and He was virgin born. The Holy Ghost of God came upon Mary, and she became with child, and she conceived, the Bible says, and came with child, and she carried a baby for nine months, and she never knew a man in an intimate way. What a blessing that was. God had sent His Son, and by the way of Mary, she carried that baby, and He prevailed. I'm telling you, he prevailed through his birth. And then they tried to kill him. They tried to stop him. They tried to stop the line of the Lord. They tried to stop him. They tried to stop everything they could. And here he was, and he was the Son of God. Did you know there are still people trying to stop him today? They still wish that he would have never been born. Anytime you hear about an abortion or something like that, it makes me think of what they did, tried to do to the Lord. They tried to stop him, and they tried to put him out, and what a terrible thing that is. But we're living in a society that's trying to destroy him right now. We're living in a society that's trying to erase everything that's about God. They're trying to get rid of him. You know, the society, I hate to say it this morning, but he's got some of you so messed up where you're, oh, Democrats, Republicans. You ought to see the big picture. Man, we're Christians is what we are. Why don't you get over all that kind of stuff and turn to God is what we need. Salvation's not in a politician. It's in a man. And it's not just any man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ is who it is. Oh, that's who we need today. We need Him. We need our Savior. It's amazing what they've done. And the whole thing is they're trying to get rid of Him. Trying to get rid of Him. They tried to get rid of Him at His birth, but He prevailed at His birth. And even today, every law and all these things that they're doing, in my opinion... They don't even believe them themselves. They're just doing it to divide people. And they're trying to get everybody divided so they can bring their little socialist communism thing in. And the reason they want socialism and communism is because that gets rid of God. That removes Him. And they want God out of the picture. They want to be in charge. I was talking to a school teacher, a local school teacher, just the other day. And they said, you wouldn't believe, as a sixth grade teacher, not in our town, but a town nearby. And they said, you wouldn't believe how many students I've had that's asked me to call them by a name that's not a name of their sex. In the sixth grade, said, it's unbelievable. 
How many kids know something like that? Raise your hand if you've heard of the other kids that way. Oh, all over the building. You don't think it's a problem. It is a problem. You say, what is it? This thing's gotten a hold of them and it's gotten people going crazy. I'm going to tell you something. You've either got a X and Y chromosome or you don't. You know, that's just the way it is. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He made you the way you're supposed to be. And you ought to live that way and be glad that God made you that way. One sex is not superior to the other one. He made two different sexes on purpose so he could populate the earth and we could go together, we could be, have marriage, we could live together, we could enjoy life together, we could have families, all these things. God did that for me and you. And we ought to make God the center of our families is what we should do. But we're living in a time that's gone crazy. They're crazy. You say, well, you can just do what you... That's what evolution's about, see. They've been teaching that for decades and people didn't stand up against it. What they're trying to do is get rid of God's what they're trying to do. They, just like they tried to get rid of the Lord at his birth. They tried to stop him is what they... Evolution is a, a, a lie dug straight out of a devil's hell. You didn't come from a monkey. You didn't come from whatever they're saying you came from. You came from your mama and daddy's where you came from. And they went all the way back and finally they came from a people named Adam and Eve and they came from God. God did this. That's where we come from. Man, we're living in a crazy time, aren't we? Craziness, what we're doing. Let me say, and by the way, uh, if I was going to school and a kid told me that, I'd say, oh, I'm not calling you that. Yeah, not happening. No, we ain't doing that. You don't got to be mean to somebody to say, uh-uh. Like Brother Tony Hudson says, he'll say, you could say, no, uh-uh. Over my dead body, you know. <laughs> hey, does it, Jeremy? Yeah, he said, I've got him on today. Okay. Let me just say, the, the line of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed. You say, what did he prevail over? He prevailed through his birth. He's got the victory. Let me say this morning, number two, he prevailed through suffering. Through suffering. And when I think about suffering, he had more than one kind of suffering. He had physical suffering and he had spiritual suffering. It wasn't just one, it was both kinds. And you've never met anyone that suffered the way that he suffered. He suffered in a greater way than anybody you've ever met in your life. It's a physical suffering, what he went through. And when you think about that, he wrote, the Bible says in Isaiah 50, that was written 700 years before he was even born. It told what he was going to go through. And it said in Isaiah 50, in verse number 6, he says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. He said, I gave my back to the smiters. One place over there, he says, he says they plowed my back. What he's talking about, he, he had, they whipped him so badly, it was just like, they pl like a farmer plowing and digging in on his back. And they scourged him and they whipped him. And I'm talking about it was terrible. He said in Psalms 22, a thousand years before he was born, he said, I can tell my bones for they stare at me. Talking about the crucifixion. He said, they ripped the flesh off of my back so badly. He said, I can count my bones. I can look at them and count them and see them. He can see organs inside of his body. I'm talking about this man was almost dead before they got him to the cross. It was terrible, the suffering that he went through. And there's no doubt that he went through it. I'm talking about physical suffering that's like none other. We've been reading, a lot of us have been reading these books about some of these folks that really went through it, like Richard Warmbrand and, 
and Harlan Popoff and some of these people, especially back during the communism days, and that would come again if they could get their hold on it. And man, they were getting these people and, and reading about them taking these Jews and putting them, making them have a special thing because of their race, you know, and, and putting that little star on their stuff to make sure people knew they were Jews and they wouldn't shop at their places and they would make them pay more for groceries and they, they had rations for groceries and they'd let all the... The European people, they'd get to go first, and the Jews had to go last, you know. And then they'd, they didn't have enough food left, and then they'd make them pay double. I'm going to tell you something, that's wickedness is what that is. That's wickedness. And they tried to exterminate a race of people, which is not anybody's business. God's the one that made people. And we ought to, we ought to thank God for life. But boy, they went through some terrible things back during World War II and during that time. And I think about some of the things they went through, but I think about what the Lord went through. And what he went through was even worse. He went through terrible physical suffering. He went through agony, pain, plucking his beard, hitting him in the face, blindfolding him, playing blind man's bluff and turning him around and slapping him and spitting on him and everything else. I'm talking about he suffered for me and you. But it was more than that. It was a spiritual suffering. And it was a spiritual suffering in the fact that he died and suffered for our sins. It was me and you that did that to him. It was our sins that he took and bore in his body. It wasn't just a physical whipping and a physical beating. He took on the sins of the whole world, the scripture says. The weight that he had during that time. What a terrible thing. I'm talking about the Lord who went through some stuff. What a terrible thing he went through. It's very spiritual. He says in Isaiah 50, he says, Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. What he's saying is, who's my adversary? That's when he was talking about the whipping that he went through. Who's my adversary? He said, let him come. Let him come to me. Let him come fight me. Satan, the name Satan means adversary. And you compare that with over the book of Colossians and you'll find Satan was right there the entire time when they were whipping our Lord and they were beating him. And no doubt he was using those Roman soldiers to whip him harder and to beat him harder and to, to spit on him and to be mean. How, how could somebody be mean like that to somebody that's never even done anything wrong? And here they were and they were torturing him for me and for you and they got him and it was all the devil that was pushing them and prodding them and provoking them the entire time and there he was going strong and he says is that all you got devil? He said come on is what he said. I'm talking about that's some kind of savior right there. The devil gave everything he had to stop him and to keep him down but he hath prevailed. He overcame. Aren't you glad that he did? I'm talking about this morning he got the victory. He's superior to the devil. Did you know that? Aren't you glad that he is? I'm glad that he is. Next time you come to church, you say, yeah, just bless me if I can. We're talking about something so much bigger than us right now. I mean, you better be careful even how you act at church is how I think about it. Man, we're at church. We're here. We're worshiping a Savior. He deserves the best we've got, our best. We ought to give it to him too. Man, we ought to have a smile on our face and say, that's right. He suffered for me as my sins. It was our sins. My sins is your sins. I want to say he prevailed through suffering. He prevailed through Calvary. That's a big thing. The crucifixion was the most cruel form of the death penalty that they had in the first century. Titus, the Roman general, came through in 70 A.D. They burned that city and knocked the walls down. I mean, it was terrible what they did. And they took those Jewish people, and there he was, and 
that's all been, you know, they've, they've kept up with all this. There's books about this and people's going with him and all that kind of stuff. And there he comes through there. And he took 500 Jews a day and crucified them every day. 500 Jews, they put them out and they crucified them. They died, they put 500 in their place. They take them off the cross, they put 500 in their place. And they did that day in and day out. They'd take their babies and just destroy their babies right in front of their face. Terrible things they did. I won't even mention what they did because it's so bad and it makes me sick to even think about it. How anybody could do that to a little baby. But I'm telling you, they were cruel people. But they crucified our Savior just like they did then. And if you think about crucifixion, it is a very slow death. There was nothing quick about it. It wasn't like a firing squad where you say, all right, line up, let's just shoot them and get it over with. That would have been a whole lot easier than what he went through. It wasn't lethal injection. I mean, that's nothing compared to what he went through. He went there and they put him on a cross and hung him there after they beat him half to death. And there he is with his bones hanging out. And he's beaten to death and, man, he's been bleeding all over. And they hung him on a cross at Calvary. There he is, and they hung him there to die, and it's going to take hours. Hours. And there he is, and like I've told you many times, you die through suffocation. They nailed his feet, nailed his hands to the cross. And the only way you can live is you have to breathe, you have to push up. And you know how painful that must be when you've got nails going through your feet, and you're pushing on those nails to take a breath, and then you're hanging by your arms because you want your feet to get some rest but as soon as you do that and hanging by your hands you've got to push back up because that's painful then that's painful and you're trying to get a breath and after a while and you're already lost all this blood you've got to be give out on top of that like i said a moment ago the sins of the world are laid on him i mean this guy's going through it now it was torture is what it was and people would come by and they would gawk at him and they would laugh at him. Even the thieves on the side, one of them was making fun of him the whole time. Well, he saved others. He can't save himself. <laughs> Why don't you come down and show us if you're really who you say you are? Come on down now. And man, they laughed at him. And they made a mockery of him when they shouldn't have done that. What they should have done is like that one thief, they should have received him. That's what they should have done. But there he was. And if it wasn't enough, he was naked. They stripped all of his clothes. They gambled his clothes away. And there's all those garments. And those soldiers took his clothes. And there he was. So that way how it was in the movie. Well, they couldn't show it that way in the movie. And they and that did right. But I'm just saying that's how it was in the Bible. That's how it really happened. And there he was. And then they put him at an intersection that has the most traffic of any place outside of that city. The main trade routes and all those routes. Brother Terry's getting ready to go back over there. Remember when he's over there and he said, this is where everybody came. Everybody that was anybody, they come by and they would see them. And there he was hanging in front of all these people, naked, beaten, and bleeding, and in terrible shape. And everybody looking at him and saying, I wonder what he did. He didn't do anything. That's what he did. It was me and you that did something. We deserve to be on the cross. He didn't deserve it. We deserved it. But I want you to know one thing. They might have put him through it, but he prevailed. He didn't come off. He said, I could call 10,000 angels anytime I get ready. He didn't call them. Aren't you glad that he didn't? I'm telling you this morning, he has prevailed. You say, how did he prevail? He prevailed through Calvary. I'll tell you something else. He prevailed through the grave. You say, well, what do you mean through the grave? They put him in a grave. We've been over there. We walked in that grave, in that tomb. It's still empty too, by the way. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to take my wife over there. I want her to see that. She already knows it's empty. I just want them to get to see that and all that kind of stuff. Man, it's amazing. It's just amazing. But anyway, you go over there and you see that and you say, wow, 
Everything's just like the Bible said. And I read about that man. I think about that tomb. He overcame death. He had to overcome the grave. He over, the tomb's empty. He's not here like the angel said. He is risen. I mean, that is something else. You say, what are you saying? He's prevailed. He overcame is what he did. It couldn't hold him. You can't keep a good man down. And because it couldn't keep him down, it won't keep us down. It won't keep mom and daddy down. I'm telling you, aren't you glad that he has victory over death, hell, and the grave? And because he got victory, we can have victory. You say, well, he prevailed. You don't understand how big a thing that is right now. That's a big deal. Aren't you glad that he prevailed? Thank God he prevailed. I'm glad that he did. We got Sister Donna Sheets of her family sitting right over here. And she's not with us right now. But we know where she is. We know where she's at. Like Brother Sheets said the other day, he said she finally won. She sure did, didn't she? She won. She's not suffering. It's us, not her. She's right there with him. She's with the one that overcame. You know why she's with him? Because he prevailed. That's how come. Had he not prevailed, she wouldn't be with him. But because he prevailed, she is with him. And we have hope. And the Bible says when he comes back, he's bringing those with him. We're going to meet them in the air. We don't even have to wait till we get to heaven to see them, according to the Bible. Man, that's going to be an exciting time. What a time that's going to be. It's going to be good. We ought to think about that grave. To me, that's a big deal. That he came up out of that grave. What a big deal. Mays Jackson always liked him, that old preacher. He's dead and been in heaven a long time. But you can still find those old sermons from him. He always had those good points and he had a great voice and man, he'd get after it. I just like to hear him. I like preachers that get after it. Preachers don't get after it. Pre- whatever, if they preach on the truth, I like all kinds. Well, my Brother Mays, he's an evangelist. He got preaching. He said, I went over to, he had a gravelly voice because he preached all the time. He said, I went over to the Holy Land. He said, they took us to that tomb. And he said, a rabbi was taking us on our tour. And he said, they brought us in. And he said, they were telling us, Bula, Bula, quiet. Because there's a place, there's a cemetery of just one grave there, of course. But anyway, show respect is what they were saying. Don't, you know, this isn't a place to talk. It's a solemn place and all that kind of stuff. And he said, he walked into that tomb. And he said, it's just like the Bible said and all the places where they laid him and put the body and he saw that and it was no longer there and there was no stone in front of the tomb where he could walk in. And he said, his heart was overfilled with joy knowing that his Savior was alive. And he said, he got over there looking and he goes, Woo! Thank the Lord, he's alive! He said, I couldn't take it anymore. He said, there's a big group. And he said, about that time, the rabbi goes, Bula, 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 Bula. He said, Bula, Bula yourself! My Savior's alive! Well, let me tell you something. Bula, Bula to you. He's prevailed. We might as well just have a good time. Some of you hadn't said amen one time this morning. Devil got your tongue? You can't say amen about the Savior that's come up out of the grave? Man, that's the best thing that's ever happened. Best news you ever heard came from a graveyard. Believe it or not, he's not here, he's risen. Oh, he's prevailed. Let me say this morning, he's prevailed, he's overcome through the grave. He's prevailed too in our passage right here. He's the one that prevailed to open the seals of that book. That scroll, that's what a scroll is. Take off the first part of a scroll, the SC, and you've got a roll. You roll it up, pull it out. It's written on the front side and on the back side. And then they roll them up and they put seven seals because seven is the number of completion in the Bible. And they've got seven seals on that thing. And it's got it all rolled up and all that business. And they said, well, here's a book, but who can open it? Nobody can open it. 
And John doesn't even know what's going on. He's in the spirit up there. He's saying something unbelievable what he said. And he began to weep. And one of the elders said, don't weep. He said, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's prevailed. He can open the seals of the book. And the Bible says he starts opening those seals one at a time. And you read about those seals and what happens. And following what happens when those seals take place, you're in those last few years of the tribulation period. And when he starts opening those, you read about the trumpets and the vials and all these other things. And I'm telling you, bad things on earth start happening. I mean, that's when the Antichrist is reigning and ruling. And all of a sudden, you read about some of that stuff. You want to talk about global warming. That's hogwash right now to begin with. But the truth is, there really will be global warming in the tribulation period. Because Revelation tells you, and I compare it with Isaiah, it says the sun will get seven times hotter than it is now. And it don't have anything to do with global warming. It has to do with the Lord bringing judgment on earth. Could you imagine that? Your air conditioner is not keeping up. I don't care how insulated your house. You say, well, I got double insulated walls. It won't help. It won't make no difference. Seven times hotter. And then you read about that, and there'll be great hell that's coming down. The size of a talent. Last night, I was in my office studying. I was working on this, and I heard some hell. And I was talking to Elizabeth about this morning. I said, did you hear it hailing last night? She goes, yeah. She said, I said, well, it was. She said, oh, no, it was your car. I said, no, it's all out. Everything's out in the open. But I said, it's all right. I said, it's just pea-sized hell. Because I looked out. I opened the door. It's sitting the side of the, my glass door there. I opened the door. I had to look. So I was like, man, it's bad. But it's just pea-sized hell. But that talent, they say, weighs anywhere from 60 to 100 pounds. Could you imagine hell coming down 60 to 100 pounds, falling out of the sky? Not just picking it up, dropping. It's going through your car. It's going through your roof. I'm talking about there'll be great judgments. Did you ever read over there where they open up the bottomless pit when he opens those seals? And those beans come out. And they've got teeth like lions. And the Bible says they've got a tail like a locust. And I mean, they've got all these descriptions about them and faces of men, the Bible says. And I mean, they're like a locust. They've got tails like a scorpion. And they sting people. And people are wanting to die and get away from them. How scary that must be. I'm talking about it's going to be bad. And here's the Lord opening these seals. And you read about the mark of the beast. And you can't buy or sell if you don't take the mark. And how terrible that must be. And the Antichrist and all the things that he's going to do. And these sores that they're going to get when they take that according to Revelation 16. And I mean, they're not going to be able to get help with any of this kind of stuff. They won't be able to feed their babies. And if people don't take the mark, they get their head cut off. Aren't you glad the Lord's coming back soon? Amen. But I'm telling you, if I was here and I wasn't saved, I'd want to get saved today. It's lining up, friend. I'm telling you, the Lord has prevailed. It's going to happen just like He said it's going to happen. There's nobody in the White House that can stop it. There's nobody in Congress that can stop it. The United Nations can't stop it. It will happen just the way the Scripture says it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to be something. You say, why? Because He prevailed. He prevailed to open those seals. And I'll say this. He's prevailed through His return. And I'm not talking about the rapture either. I'm talking about the second coming. I know the rapture is going to take place where we go and some of this stuff's going to happen, but we're coming back. He's prevailed. You say, how do you know he's coming back? Well, when he comes back, he comes on a white horse. White's victory. That's what it stands for. That's what I was telling you here a while back. I met that girl that works for the country singer, Darks Bentley. She does all of his, she's his personal assistant. And I found out 
She's like a Whitney. She's all about horses. So she better get her a guy that's got some money. That's all I got to say, Dustin. Dustin don't have any money. He just has to work all the time, feed horses. That's what I say. <laughs> that's right. He might have money if he didn't have horses. I don't know. <laughs> One or the other, right? And so I'm just messing with them. But anyway, she can take it. That girl there, she um, has all these horses. I mean, she's got some high-dollar horses, high-end stuff, and I don't even know all about them. But I found out before I met her that she had these horses. I said, that girl worked, and I don't even know who Dark's Bentley. I couldn't tell you a song he sang. I have no idea. I've heard his name. But I walked up to her, and I said, she said, hi. I'm, and she told me her name. I said, well, I'm Brother Derek. And uh, she said, uh, I said, uh, hey, you like horses. She goes, how would you know that? I said, well, I passed her against Sydney Baptist Church, Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. I know just about everything. And she goes, like, you're nuts. But believe it or not, she stood there and talked to me for like 30 or 40 minutes. Being a little, I mean, she's just like really nice. I said, you know, the Lord's coming back on a horse. I said, you know what color it's going to be? She said, it's going to be white, the Bible says. And say so she was a Christian. I was glad to say that. And so we got to talk about that a little bit. Meantime, you get a chance, that's a good time to bring it up, you know. And I mean, the Lord's coming back. And he's coming on a white horse. You say, why white? Because white stands for victory. Why is it victory? Because he's prevailed. That's how come. And when he comes back, that's the way that he's coming. I'm telling you, it's going to be something. They better go ahead and enjoy it right now. Joe Biden, go ahead and do what he's doing and his wicked ways and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Joe. Do what you're doing because the Lord's coming back. You say, well, I don't like those Republicans. Well, good, because he ain't one. He's God is who he is. <laughs> He's coming back is what he is. We don't need any politicians anyway. We don't need them on either side. What we need is the Lord is what we need. Sorry, Nancy. Go ahead and have your day. The Lord's coming back. <laughs> you ain't going to like it, are you? Chucky boy, you think you're doing real good up there killing babies and all this kind of stuff? The Lord's coming back. You say, well, I'm going to vote for that medical marijuana or that, that recreational marijuana. That's going to help all the police officers. Why in the world are they not endorsing it then? I hadn't heard of one that endorsed it. You ask a police officer in this building, we got them. Ask them. Ask them what they think about people that get high and what the problems they have with that. Go ahead and ask them how crime goes up. When they, what you're going to do is cause them more problems what you're going to do. You say, well, I just think a person ought to be able to smoke some weed if they want to. Well, you might want to and go ahead, but your day's coming. You, there'll be a day where you won't be smoking it anymore. You say, why? He's prevailed. He's coming back. The Lord's coming back. And you better get ready. When he comes back, he's whipping backsides and taking names. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. Like the bumper sticker said, the Lord's coming back, and boy, is he mad. It's going to be something when he comes back. What a day that's going to be. You say, how's he coming back? He's revealed. The real Armageddon. Not something somebody's made up somewhere. I told you last week, Armageddon means the hill of the crowded. That's what it means. And it's a place in Israel. It's a strip of land called Megiddo. That's where the battle's going to take place, not in Russia. Not nuclear Russia. It's going to take place over there. So these people want to start bringing Bible terms. They've never even read the Bible. And trying to scare everybody with that stuff. Let me tell you something. But there will be an Armageddon. Because the Bible says so. And then Antichrist, the United Nations, a hundred million man army will be gathered around Israel. And they're going to be taking those Jews. But guess what? The Lord's going to prevail. <laughs> and he's going to fight as he fought in the day of battle. Zechariah 14 says. And when he consumes those people, the Bible says that he's going to put a plague on them. And the Bible says that their flesh will go away and disintegrate, basically, before their bones hit the ground. I'm telling you, they're no match for him. 
I don't care what kind of weapon you have. You say, what are you saying? He's coming back. He's prevailed. They're not going to like the sequel. They didn't like the first one. They sure won't like the sequel. They didn't like him the first time he came. Wait till the second time. They're going to hate the second time. Because they won't be spitting on him. They won't be slapping him. They won't be punching him. They won't be whipping him. They won't be crucifying him. They won't be mocking him. I'm telling you, they're going to bow before him. And some of you this morning, you wait, you're, waiting, you're waiting around and you need to get saved is what you need to do. You need to just go ahead and get saved. Go ahead and trust Christ as your Savior and quit putting it off. You say, well, you may be wrong on some of this. Well, let me tell you what I'm not wrong on. I'm not wrong that Jesus died for your sins. And I'm not wrong that they buried him. And I'm not wrong that he rose again. And I'm not wrong that he's coming back. Because that's what the Bible says. And everything it says happens. And I'm not wrong that he's the only one that can save you. You better get saved before it's too late. Let's stand together because he's prevailed. And if you're on his side, you prevail. Isn't that something? We're on the winning side. What a blessing that is. Come on up here, Brother Tim. Let's hear that song. I'm sorry. Don't come on and stay up here, but come on up. That just hit me right then when I said that. Wasn't even planning that. Can you sing that song? All right. That'll be good. He'll do a good job on it. Now let me say this morning, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, what you ought to do is step out to the nearest aisle to you and you come today and we'll show you in the Bible how to be saved. And if you're here and you are saved and you're not living for the Lord, He's worth living for. He is worth it. Why don't you live for the Lord Jesus Christ? He loves you. He cares about you. You say, well, I've really made some terrible mistakes in my life. Well, we've got a guy that spent years in prison that's coming tonight to give his testimony. God forgives people that make terrible mistakes. But he's not going to do it if you don't ask him to. You've got to ask him to. You come to him and see what he can do in your life. He could turn your life around and make you a new person because he has prevailed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you.